Hi there. It oh. is Donna, and we are going to have another vlog. We are. Today, we're going to talk about pitch and why the advice for women to lower their pitch to be taken more seriously is bad advice. So, <clears throat> to begin, have you ever heard the little gem? The one where you as a female need to actually lower your pitch in order to be taken seriously? It's a thing, for sure. Uh, there are vocal coaches out there who propose helping women uh, do just that and for quite a lot of money, all right? And the premise is really straightforward. You pay them, they teach you to lower your pitch, bada boom, bada bing, you're authoritative, powerful, and successful. Ta-da! Uh, when I first heard this, and it's been quite some time now, but my jaw dropped. I could not believe that in this day and age, um, it shows you how little I knew, but in this day and age that, that women were being given advice like this. Like, it was just like, what? And um, I was deeply offended. So then I had to unpack why I felt like this, because I don't believe in just, you know, feeling the feels. I got to figure out what's behind it, because maybe it's serving me, but maybe it isn't. So <clears throat> my first thought was that this advice had the potential to make women second guess their voices, right? Because we're born with vocal apparatus, like shorter vocal folds or vocal cords and narrower throats that just predispose us to higher pitches. It's like a violin versus a cello. And if you're speaking at a higher pitch, because that's how you were born, right? Um, then then what are you supposed to do with a message? That like, unless you have a lower voice, you won't be taken seriously. It, it has the potential to, to cause psychological. And if you follow that path, physiological damage, right? You're forcing your, your body to try and do something it's not designed to do. Um, so I had several clients I've had, and just today I had another one uh, come to me who was worried about her pitch level, right? And wanting to take her too high voice, which incidentally is not high at all, Okay, and lower it because that would somehow um, make them more successful. And in today's case, their their boss had said that they don't sound authoritative enough, and so they figured it was a pitch thing. I had one client who um, chain smoked because chain smoking will lower your pitch. It's lowering your pitch because it's damaging your body. But uh, but she believed that that was what she needed to do in order to lower her pitch. So when we explored it further, because I don't just work in the training space, I also work in the coaching mindset transformation space because they live together. Um, we figured out that she had this um, sort of un, uh on what should I say, unreflective opinion, because she had an aunt in the 1960s who swore up and down that smoking, uh, and this aunt was successful, so that smoking, her smoking had lowered her pitch, which was the key to her success. So this woman had adopted this 
without really realizing she had done so uh, in an effort to lower her pitch. So uh, never mind the damage, right? So there was, she had some things she had to do around the smoking end of it. And that's outside of what I do, but I was able to help her with some of the other pieces. So yes, admittedly, that is an extreme example. Uh, but when like trusted publications like businessinsider.com publish articles titled, you know, with tags like lower your pitch to feel more powerful, what's a girl to do? I mean, really? And then also this idea about pitch, it's a gross oversimplification. So the fact is we all have a range of notes that we are capable of producing. And the perception of high or for that matter, low voice is, is, is actually symptomatic of you not using your full range. And I'll explain more of what that means here in a little bit. But so your voice seems overly high or overly low simply because you actually stay around a cluster of notes or pitches, right? So you don't have a lot of variability. And so if that cluster is a bit higher, then you have this perception that you have a high voice. And if it's lower, then a low voice. And if it's interestingly, if it's in the middle, oftentimes it's considered monotone. So let me demonstrate what that might sound like. All right, I'm going to talk to you about this sort of thing right now. And that's all I'm going to talk about in this kind of voice. Or I'm going to talk to you about it in this kind of voice. And I'm not going to have very much interest in dynamics in my voice. See the difference? I'm low. I'm high. But because I'm not sliding back and forth between them. And I mean, those, again, for the purposes of illustration, are overdone. But hopefully you kind of get the point there. None of those are actually monotone because monotone means mono one tone. They're more like tritone. And that's not, of course, how it's spoken about because most people don't have the vocabulary or the depth of understanding to be able to talk about these things accurately. So they kind of flounder around and they use language, they use their authority and their influence, and they use incorrect understandings and language, and they tell somebody else that, that they're monotone or that they're too high or that they should do this, that, or the other thing, and they cause damage because they're giving bad advice, advice they are not qualified on any level to give because they can't even articulate their perspective clearly. So something to watch out for. So... When you learn to employ more than those two or three notes in that cluster, okay, the overall perception of your, your voice's pitch can be drastically altered. It can actually seem like magic to the listeners, but it's actually just mechanics and technique. So the key is for you to learn your range. And your range is the highest to the lowest uh, pitch that you can make while speaking where you don't start to what we call bottom out or fry or sort of split and crackle and kind of pitch up to a falsetto on the top end. Most people have around 12 notes that they can use to speak within their range and they cluster around a sort of an optimal pitch, kind of their note, but everything moves up and down from that. Singers 
have more than those 12 notes, but that's while they're singing. Speaking is still speaking. So once you learn to employ that natural range, then you get that full sort of scope of expressivity, which makes people go, what? I want to listen more because they're interesting, right? So once you have that enormous arsenal of pitch, pitch fluctuations to use, you can express anything that you want. And that's that feeling of dynamic and expressive voice we're talking about. You won't register as male or female per se, although, you know, on average, people would be able to say that's a, you know, more of a female or more of a male voice. What you'll register as is interesting, which is actually what we're going for here, right? So another thing to keep in mind is when we skip right to, oh, it's a pitch problem, we're missing a huge, huge piece. And that is the foundational piece of, of breath support and alignment. So you're literally putting the cart in front of the horse because you can't do anything with your pitch high, low, or otherwise, unless you have a full and fluid column of air to support that. So that's just a fancy way of saying breath support. But you can't have any of that until you work through things like your natural alignment and relaxation. And you can't have any of that until you look at why and how you're holding tension in your body. And none of that matters if your dress doesn't fit, if I'm being honest. So many, many years ago, right at the beginning of my speaking career, I was in a position to win a competition that would then move me on to provincials and nationals, which was a big stakes for a small town prairie girl, right? Who'd been in the game a mere three months. And I received a phone call on the morning of my final, my fourth competition. And I was told that if I won first in that category that day, then I would move on to the next level provincials, which is equivalent to state level. And there was money on the line. So I was told to bring my A game. All right. So what's my A game? Well, my A game back in the day, so this would have been 1993, um, was a skin tight navy blue sheath dress with a little bolero jacket with gold trim on it. It was kind of the 90s and it was the business sailor look. It was all the rage. And then I had some navy stilettos to go with it and bam, I was ready. So I arrived at the venue and I waited, you know, anxiously. I was announced. I went up. I did my thing. I uh, I tried to bow, but the you know the dress was really quite tight. So I did what I could, and I sat back down. And I remember sitting there thinking, something doesn't feel right. Like something was off in my performance. But but I was only nineteen, and I, I just didn't have a lot of perceptivity, if you will, at that time. So I couldn't put my finger on it. So I waited. And when the judge stood up, she said, you look stunning. And I remember thinking, yeah, score point for me. And her next sentence was, but you didn't have enough breath, did you? And I'm like, never mind, have your point back. So she was right. 
I remember that moment and I realized that my dress's design had prevented me from taking in that full belly breath that is required to support a voice, especially when you're working without a microphone, which is what these competitions were, no microphones at all. So you had to be able to produce your own projected supported voice. Now this dress was so tight, like girdle level tight, that I couldn't actually do this. Plus I had the, um, the stilettos on, which tipped my whole body forward, which changed my alignment, which changed the tension levels in my body, which changed my ability to breathe properly and support my voice. Hence my earlier point about your dress has to fit. So my voice fell flat and I won second. So of course I could go on about you know, from a feminist perspective about um, the rhetoric around women's bodies and clothing and who invented high heels and for what purpose. And I, I'm not going to do that today, but I'm sure in future, I am sure in a future blog, I will. But for today, this story is about a lack of breath and then the lack of pitch variation, which led to an ineffective voice, which is, is really kind of what we're talking about here. So let's return to the ever-present advice that women have voices that are too high and and then what that could actually be about okay so there's three things that come to mind so the first is the woman in question all right she might not actually have enough breath to create a voice that is full and dynamic so like thanks business sailor outfit and so her voice registers with others as high because this the little bit of sound that she is able to make is coming through sort of that narrow constricted area in her her throat right she doesn't have enough air she's tightening her pitch which is already naturally high goes up even higher could be that a second thing that it could be is that she has ample breath Okay, but she hasn't actually learned to hear or manage the full scope of her register. So she has enough breath, but she's still playing in that little cluster, right? That little three note cluster. And that kind of limitation, no matter how good your breath control is, is still going to make you sound. Um, if, if you're higher, it's going to make you sound higher uh, because you're only in those three notes in the higher range. Of course, if it's lower, same same deal, right? Uh, but her, her toolkit is effectively ill-equipped. So for those listening, again, who don't possess the adequate language to describe what it is that they're hearing, they'll just simplistically and frankly inaccurately accuse her of having too high a voice. Or third thing, it could be that she has breath support, she has a dynamic pitch range, and just physiologically she's built to operate at a higher overall pitch. So for those of you with a musical background, it would be like taking a, a melody and transposing it up an octave or so, right? So you still hear the music, but overall the whole thing vibrates at a higher, um, well, it, it you hear it at a higher vibrational frequency, right? So she's doing everything right, but that's just who she is, right? Most women aren't in that sort of um, shifted 
up a whole octave or two range of, of high voices. So um, that's that's a possibility, but it's it's not a terribly common possibility, I guess is my point. So realistically, with knowledge, technical training, um, support and practice, women can discover and employ their sort of their full range of speaking pitches and they can enjoy the benefits of frankly what is a buffet of expressive potential. However, however, the fact remains that there is an underlying bias. There is one that presupposes that a lower pitch somehow signals increased um, intelligence and competence and leadership. If you don't believe me, Google it. It's thing. And who naturally has a lower pitch? Yes, they can have the same problems with volume or not volume with breath support and, and um, clustering and all of that, but lower pitch overall, it's, it's males, right? So how do we get around this? Do we, and when I say we, I mean, in this case, women, okay? So do we get around this? As much as I would like to flip off the bias, just like, and say, it doesn't matter, and I don't care, neither should you, that is disingenuous, and it is unhelpful, because it's still out there. So while I'm working to to educate people on these ideas, and with the intention that is that the knowledge gets out to people who are in a position to influence conversations and the perceptions, um, you know, the ground will shift and I have to acknowledge that the problem though is real and it's now. So for now, the best and only, in my opinion, um, approach is to help women understand and take back the full scope of what their voices can do. While it doesn't change, the narrow understanding of some people, um, what they think about what constitutes a powerful and authoritative voice, it does offer the best chance to create that expressiveness and increase the likelihood that women will be more empowered as speakers because of that sort of dynamic piece. And that understanding and that confidence that comes from that will go a long way towards rewriting that script of pitch and power. So I know that an authentic voice is a strong, well-supported, responsive, and unique thing. And one that reflects exactly who you are, not what somebody else tells you you should be. So I finish with a question to you. Is your voice authentic? So um, I want to let you know, if you want to know more about voice and transformation and empowerment and your big dreams and how they can all fit together, then hit me up on the link below. Subscribe to this blog series, this blog and blog series. Get your name on the wait list for the upcoming courses or book yourself a chat with me and we'll talk about my signature uh, tea with the 
life transformation coaching for women, and we can figure out how to get you to your dreams faster. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, be awesome. Bye.